0: Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Danielle Standring, purveyor of satire and lover of board games. Danielle is a prolific content creator who has amassed a huge following on Instagram, TikTok, with a humorous take on the industry. Danielle Welcome to the binge. How you doing? I'm oh, good. How are you doing, James? I'm doing great. Fantastic. We met at Essen, and mm-hmm. uh, we were just saying off air that uh, that is like just the most overwhelming experience I've ever had in this industry. For real. How did you find it?
1: <laughs> I feel like we met in a very like quick haze. Like we were like two <laughs> clouds passing in the sky with like yeah. a very like small moment. We'd be, like. Hey, nice to meet you. It's hey, one of those. seeing
0: you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see you soon.
1: Okay, uh, Essen was incredible. So I went into that show. I'd never been before. It was my first year. I went in with no expectations. Like, I, I wanted to experience this completely on my own. And just so, but the only thing someone told me once it was like, they were like, it is Gen Con, but more. And I was like, oh boy. All right. Um. When? And that, my experience at Essen was nothing but outstanding. Like the vibe of a convention with over 200,000 people, I think was more chill than a convention with 30,000 people. I think people were all, they were all there just to have a good time. You can get a beer, you can get a (laughs) crepe, you can get a demo all in like the same five minutes. And like the fact that there was still like a smoker's lounge outside and everyone was just kind of hanging out and they're like... What you see today? What you see today?
0: Yeah, and no one
1: cared. Like it was just so. I never felt stressed, even though I I, I should have been with the amount of people around me. But I never felt overwhelmed, and did I don't you... I don't know how that happened, but it did.
0: Do you find it's because you you're lacking like the cosplay and things like that from Gen Con? Is that like it is a very different vibe there, right? It like is. it's it,
1: it almost feels like. <sighs> I don't. I'm trying not to like dig our cons here because I really like <laughs> our cons here. It doesn't feel so overproduced. It doesn't feel yeah. over the top. Like everyone there was what had their purpose, but nothing felt like it needed to be. There was nothing like prefabricated or like it, you went, you got your games, you you got out, you had your good time.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I I I was there for. It. I will gladly go back again. I look forward to going back again. And it was it was an experience. And if you are you had the opportunity to do it, do it. Just
0: do it. Yeah, that's what I was saying to people like, like oh, what's it like? I'm like, you just got you gotta experience it. You just I gotta mean, do it. It, it. Is, it is it is insane. Definitely if you're not good with people in your space. Close proximity.
1: <laughs> like the claustrophobia was definitely real, but also yeah. like the air ventilation was on point. So I was never like, Oh, oh, I'm breathing your breath. Like I'm really like it, it, it definitely. It was accommodating to that. They knew what they had going on in that space.
0: Yeah. It was like a sea of people. I remember I went to like, uh, I think it was hall one because I had to go quickly and get something and come back. I go, I'll be back in like five minutes. Cause
1: (laughs) that's funny. Before before the con, right.
0: Like literally you get, there's like a five minute walk. No problem. Cause we're, we're vendors. And, uh, I was gone like an hour and a half because you're walking (laughs) and you're just kind of moving with kind of like the flow of the water of the river, just kind of going down the, uh, from, from, uh, room to room, which was Mm -hmm. just absolutely crazy. Now you've done a lot of cons. You just got back from packs. Mm -hmm. Um, you've got, for those who don't know you, I, I, I mean, I followed you on TikTok now for, I think a couple years and I went back through your, your Instagram profile and you've got a massive following. I think you're at like 75,000 people just on, Mm -hmm. uh, on Instagram alone. Congratulations on that. That Thank is a you. huge. You appreciate
1: huge, it, and a- appreciate everyone for following. Genuinely. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. So, it looks like October twenty eighth, twenty twenty, was your first post. Is that accurate? Was it like twenty twenty when you first started doing Instagram, or so a little a bit? Or?
1: A little bit earlier in twenty twenty. So I didn't fully come on Instagram. Was not my first platform. I decided to venture on. Uh, it was TikTok. Um. I was always afraid of Instagram. It felt almost like unattainable. Like it felt very clean and polished. Like you had to have like a certain aesthetic, and I was yeah. like. I don't fit that aesthetic. <laughs> like I was not like your typical like Instagram girly. So it was February or January of 2020. It was right pre-pandemic, which conveniently <laughs> helped me a lot through the pandemic cuz it gave me something to do. But it yeah. was around that time, or so we're coming up on 4 years now, um that I that I ventured into TikTok. But my first videos weren't board game related. They were more like mom and family centric because I was yeah. home with my girls and it was this was my identity. I was mom. Let me talk about my kids and what I do as a mom and I jokingly, not even jokingly, I it was jokingly. I made a a comment about Kickstarter and having to wait forever for a game to come in and that resonated with people. Um oh, yeah. and then and then I talked about Gloomhaven and people were like, "Oh, you like gloomhaven say more um it kind of just went downhill from there
0: yeah certainly, it certainly seems like you've leaned into kind of like the geek right the geek side mm-hmm. of it which is uh i think uh really is engaging for a lot of people. Cause I think that brings you across a much wider audience than just kind of, as you said, like the classic kind of girly thing, or even kind of like the mom centric focused uh, post that it's interesting to see that evolution. Cause I guess your youngest would have been a toddler at that point. Right. When you first started, right.
1: Mm-hmm. She was one and a half. But what the nice thing with that is like the, the, the geek thing, you can be a nerd, you can be a geek and a yeah. mom and a cute girly. Like I take pride in being like, I never thought of myself as like girly, girly at all. Like I always thought I was a tomboy. I did karate growing up. Like I was on the robotics team. So I always thought of myself as being more of one of the boys, but I like girly things. Like yeah. I I like dressing up. I like feeling pretty. So i i really hope that like my content isn't just nerdy but it's more relatable for the girlies it's okay like it's okay to like all of these things and embrace it like you don't need to be like the closet girly because sometimes like you know you're not always welcomed in the nerd community because like oh she likes to do her hair like us nerds don't do that like you can you can do it all you can like it all you just be you
0: (laughs) Yeah. Now I was actually surprised, like, again, cause I seen your content, like you, you go to all the major cons, right. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're cranking out a lot of content, which to me would seem like it's a full-time job, oh. but it's not, <laughs> you actually have a full-time job. And this is like your, your, your side thing. What do you do for like, what's, what do you do for a living? Like, what's your main thing?
1: So I work for a major pharmaceutical company. I'm actually a chemist and I work with drugs oh, wow. post-commercialization. So I deal like, when drugs go to market and people can actually buy them and take them off the shelf and use them, um, anytime something changes within the process of these drugs. So, whether we change labeling or change testing of the drug, or if there's just something in manufacturing that changes, I deal with all the health authorities across the world to make sure that they will come back and approve that too. So, I do a lot of technical writing, I do like a lot of like document drafting. And I also kind of like the liaison between the company and the health authorities. I'm kind of like the face, like, I don't do all of the science. I leave that to the people with the many PhDs, but I, I know the information well enough to be able to translate that down on the paper and then have the conversations with anyone I need to outside of the company to make sure our drugs stay on the market. So it's incredibly boring. (laughs) It's not very exciting. It's what I went to school for. Um, And it pays the bills, but that's what I do full time. But content creation started off part-time, but I feel like I do that full-time as well. So we just work. We just I love to work. I'm (laughs) I enjoy keeping busy, um, especially on top of raising two kids
0: too. So let's just let's just never sleep. We don't need to do that. That's overrated. (laughs) So how have you been able to take like some of the skill set? I mean, congrats on that role too. Like, wow, that is (laughs) Incredible career, it's a a thing, Um, but have you been able to take anything from kind of that side and port it over onto the content creation side? Like, have you been all the is there any skills that you've transferred over? I always find this interesting. The reason I ask is most people I talk to, no matter what they do, usually they have some other career, and board games is a a side gig, whether they're a publisher, content Mm -hmm. creator, an artist, whatever. And there's usually something from that other side, a that they, they need to. You know, There's something that's missing they need to fulfill, like a creative side, for instance. So as you're saying, your job is, in your words, maybe boring, and this maybe gives you that kind of creative output. But there's often something on that other side they can kind of bring over and, and help kind of give them that added advantage. What is that for you?
1: No, and i've I've thought about this a lot. And so uh, growing up, my first job, and actually my really my only job that I had as a teenager, i I taught I taught karate, actually. So I've always been very good at being able to talk to people, being able to talk parent to talk to parents just because I worked with a lot of kids. So being able to be personable, like public speaking has always been a stronger suit. It has been a learned thing. um, yeah. but it's something I've always kind of enjoyed doing. Like I like, Uh, the challenge and being able to figure out, you know, the puzzle of what to say to accurately convey what I'm trying to say. So a lot of what I do in my day job is basically translating information so that when others consume it, it is inherently obvious and they can understand it right off the bat. And I think those skills that I have from school and, and just my day job I'm able to, everyone's like, how do you explain a game so quickly? I was like, I have to do that in my day. Like I have to be able to take a whole bunch mm-hmm. of information and boil it down to a very bite-sized piece of like information for you to be able to like digest easily and readily right on the spot. So I think a lot of that has come from that, but also just being able to speak to people like at work. I do so many presentations. Like I do a lot of like face-to-face talks with people and people I don't know and a lot of important people. Like I, I work a lot with the leadership within my role at work and that is terrifying. <laughs> that is terrifying. And being able to get up there and confidently be able to speak to people is a huge part of my job. So being able to talk to people on the internet, is no different and I love doing it and I love being able to talk to people. So they just kind of like go hand in hand. And the more I do on the internet, that honestly helps me a ton at work. Yeah. Um, just It's just a, a skill that I'm constantly practicing and getting better at doing. And I know a lot of people hate it, and I get it. I there's a, there's plenty of times where I know I have something coming up, and I'm like, I might vomit in front of people today. But <laughs> we we're, we're good. We power through it. So yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of overlap, seemingly like not obvious overlap, but there yeah. there is a lot of overlap there.
0: And. It- how did you how did you get into this industry in the first place? Like where how did you get into like has board gaming been something you've been doing like since you're younger? Or is there are you more recently into the hobby? Like how did that evolution kind of happen?
1: Yeah. So I was always into video games, super into video games as a kid, as a teenager. Um, just kind of always been been my jam. Um and we always went to conventions. I say we, I mean my husband and I, my husband and I have been together for a super long time. He's my gaming buddy, he's he's my BFF. We always went to conventions and PAX East is our thing. Like it is, it's in our backyard. We always had a blast and we'd make a weekend of it. It was one PAX East. We were there for video games and we totally got turned on to magic by one of our friends. And we had no idea he liked magic. And apparently he's like an incredible magic player. Like come to find out now, not at the time. Um, he was like, hey, I'll teach you guys magic. And I'm like, why would I do that? That's what nerds do. Um, I don't got time for that. Like I'm going to go play some video games. And it was a PAX East 2013 or 2014. I can't remember which one. Uh, we learned magic. And then that was it. Like, that was like, oh, this this is fun. We like this. And it was a couple of years of just playing magic and in that community. Um, and then someone turned us on to Star Realms. Mm. And we loved it. It was more inclusive of more people because magic, it came down to like, just my husband and I just beating each other down and we we're like I think we need something more and also we wanted to hang with our friends and that was not the most inclusive activity when you have like this like overpowered deck and they're like here's my starter pack and I'm, like, I'm going to destroy you <laughs> um so we we looked into like things to keep more people at the table so like star realms ascension um what else i'm sure there was a couple other deck a uh, dominion was in there um, and of course, good old Amazon was like, you bought this. You might like this. So mm-hmm. we got kind of spoon fed the very like the starter pack of board games like Ticket to Ride, Small World, Pandemic, all of those. We bought all of them. We loved all of them. So it was kind of like 2014 was the the descent of into madness where we went for magic. And then 2017, we bought Scythe. And that was like Ugh. our first like heavy game because before that, like we were still doing the deck builders and we're playing apples to apples and all that fun stuff. And then we're like, yeah, just for just for shits and gigs. Let's see how this goes. We loved it. <laughs> we love the more crunchy, beefy games and we kind of became Euro snobs. Like we only play heavy games. Um, it, but now we we play everything and anything. We still play video games. But for the most part, we live, eat, breathe, board games and we have been for a while now.
0: And then as this kind of transitioned into this kind of content creation side, mm-hmm. at the time you're starting was, and again, as you're saying, kind of just as you're going into COVID, was there any thought that it would kind of get to where it's at right now? Like, did you kind of foresee it kind of going in this direction at all? or
1: No. So the big part of me making content was – it's kind of an emotional story um new mother again (laughs) new new mother again um home so my oldest is now 15 so she was like 10 or 11 at the time and my youngest was like just over a year and I feel like a lot of mothers and even fathers will relate to this you kind of like lose yourself in those early years you like forget who you are and you just become mom or you just become wife and I, I was over that. <laughs> I was over that. I was like, I, I don't have friends or like, I don't have like girlfriends that I can just call. Like I was sitting on the couch just like covered in like kids food. I hadn't showered in days. I looked like hell. And I was like, all I did was like, live to go to bed. I live to take care of the kids and then go to bed and like, wake up, work, kids, bed. And I was like, who, who am I? Like we played board games, but it was more of like a I never felt it was like because it was for us. It was just like, oh, this is this is just part of the day now. Um, and I wanted to do something for me that made me feel like me again. Like I had my own hobby. Like I had my own yeah. thing that like the kids were involved in and my husband wasn't involved in And I was just doing it solely for me. So I, that's when I started making videos and I did need that creative outlet because my job is so technical. Like I wanted to do something that I thought was fun and something that I would like to consume um, and I never thought it would do anything. It was really just an exercise to like prove to me that I could do something for me. Um, but as I started doing it, and people started commenting and engaging and following, and I was like, "Well, so people really like that. What if I did that again and I talked about another game I really did, I really enjoyed?" And then the pandemic hit, and I was home alone with the two girls by myself for like a year because my husband had to work. He works in healthcare, and I was like this is now my, this is how I talk to people. Like, and this will be, I have no human interaction whatsoever. Like, this is what yeah. I need to do. And I don't even need, like, this is what I wanted to do. And I started making like some of the most amazing friends on the internet. And I, I definitely feel like a lot of people who started making content around that time kind of became like really tight friends or we were almost like comrades in this. And yeah, it was I'm so grateful for doing that because I did find myself again and I got to find my voice and what I enjoyed in life and just pursued the things I wanted to pursue that I don't think I would have if I hadn't done that. Like I definitely like pursued a, a better role at work. It, it gave me the confidence to say, I can do this for me, not because I have to, because I'm filling like a life role. That's that's really the reason why I started doing it.
0: Oh, that's cool. Was there anything like along that journey where like a piece of content you did where it just like what was the first viral piece that you had done where you're just like, Whoa, uh, I didn't it, expect that.
1: It was a stupid trend sound where the trend <laughs> says smack my ass like a drum. Now I had never at that point, like I was my true self, but I never like spoke. Like I, I did like text overlays and I, I, I showed things and I, I briefly talked about things, but not to what I do today where it's just people are sick of my voice. I'm sure. But like, I had never really showed who I truly was because I am kind of a crass human. Like I I could pop down a dirty joke from time to time. So (laughs) the sound, I was like, why not? And I made a comment about Kickstarter. Like, oh my God, it randomly showed up. Like you forgot you kicked it like 500 years ago and here it is. And I opened up the box and smacked my ass like a drum (laughs) and people were hot for it. I think it got like two or three million views and I was like, Where'd that come from? Because at the wow. time, like you were only really getting a couple hundred views, like and you were happy if you saw triple digits. Um, then that happened. And I got a bunch of followers and I was like, let's lean into it. Let's see what we can do with this. Let's see, let's see where this goes. And it just went all up from there.
0: It's almost like an onion where you keep peeling the layers apart, right? And like your your true self is in the middle there. And you kind of start off maybe with and I think a lot of people do this in in you know on their online kind of personalities, is they're a bit guarded. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're the because it's scary, right? It's kind of putting yourself out there and you don't know how people are going to react. So you kind of want to give little snippets of yourself, but you know, it's almost like, do I want to let them is it see
1: too much? <laughs> am I always really unveiling me, right? too much here behind the scenes? Yeah. Now I'm just like, I don't care what anyone sees. You either take it or leave it. And if you don't like it, that's fine. Not everyone's gonna love
0: you. But then that's when things I think kind of really start to kind of stick, right? And where like a like your personal brand kind of gets established right because now mm-hmm. it's like well you know there's only one danielle right there's like mm-hmm. other people could maybe try to emulate you but they're not going to they're not going to be you right and i think that's mm-hmm. kind of the thing that really people kind of latch on to when they when they follow content creators how is this now cross pollinated back the other way with your work in terms of you know people maybe who play board games that are in the pharmaceutical industry that you're running into that might see some of your content like is there any of that crossover people are like hey i i
1: i like to i like to live under the illusion that no one knows i do this (laughs) i like to think so i my previous boss had no idea i did this and that was fine that was great i think i have a couple coworkers that have like sent me like slack messages like was that game actually good i'm like oh shoot you actually know i do this um so i don't openly tell anyone that i did like and i like almost like i like the batman bruce wayne like i leave them very separate um but i'm sure i'm sure people people know i have openly told my new boss but she is so like i'm not a part of social media so you do what you want to do um but i would like to live under the illusion that no one actually knows that that's me
0: yeah i won't tell anybody okay perfect
1: (laughs) perfect even though if you just type my name into google it's very evident that that's what i do Yeah. yeah
0: When when you started kind of going to these different conventions and uh, now when you have a following as large as you do, I mean, you've become like a celebrity, right? So that's in, you know, some people might shy away from kind of that that name might sound kind of weird, right? Because I think everybody is fairly humble, right? And most mm-hmm. country and creators I talk to are like, ah, I'm just doing this You know, they don't necessarily want to acknowledge kind of the size of some of the followings that they've built but you've got a sizable following mm-hmm. and how has that been for you? Um, as you now go to these conventions and, and maybe you're at some point when you first started, you're going just as a visitor where now you're probably going as a special guest. And, and how has that kind of, how has that kind of worked for you?
1: So I, I didn't really like hit that that was the case like it was like two years ago when mm-hmm. someone had stopped and I never expect anyone to stop me and go I know who you are um but someone had come up to me and told like and they thanked me because him and his wife it was like right when we were released back into the wild after <laughs> COVID he he pretty much came up and thanked me um and said you know like my wife and I were struggling you know being home and we didn't know what to do with each other and like a big thing I talk about is two-player games because we just play two-player games where it's just my husband and I. Um, and I love talking about good two-player games. And he pretty much thanked me for, you know, providing content that allowed them to find board games and it brought their relationship together. So it was very humbling because at first I was like, oh, someone recognized me. That's weird. But yeah. then to hear those stories and to like hear what I do actually has an impact on people, a positive impact. Um it is like a very, very rewarding experience. And it's still one of my favorite things. Like this weekend, I had another group of friends come up. They were, they were on the younger side. They're like, we thought board games were stupid. We we thought they were dumb. Um, And I apparently made a dumb video like I do about some party game, which brought board games into their life. And then from there, they were were like, now we go to like Dice Tower retreats and we go and come to packs Unplugged and we play some of the heaviest stuff. We went from Thinking board games were stupid to getting into party games to now like you know we we have a great friend group that plays board games and I I really appreciate every single one of those stories because it makes me want to keep doing this more because board games can be fun board games well they are fun they don't need to be thought of as these like boring like stale just like things you put on a table and you're like oh my grandmother plays this like no they're fun they're they're fun you can have a good time and you should have a good time because it's, it's your hobby. It's what you do outside of your day job. It's your, your escape, your release. Um, so yeah, that's, that so is. I've heard
0: of gateway games. But it's almost like you're a gateway now, right? Like you're a gateway into the Come hobby. Come through my
1: gateway. Come on through. <laughs> let me show you. I got the, I opened up my, my trench coat. I'm like, let me show you what I got here. Yeah, I got, I got, got stuff. it for you. <laughs> I got some things.
0: <laughs> at what point did you decide like, and this is like a question maybe to help other content creators that there are people who are looking at getting into content creation at what point do you kind of monetize? Like at what point do you say, okay, now I think I can monetize this. Right. And then what does monetization look like? And there's different iterations of that. And how does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a kind of a, that's a weird question. Cause I don't even know if I have the right answer to that. Yeah. I definitely, I'm very open and honest with publishers when <laughs> they ask the reach out, like, and now that I have decided to start monetizing and like what would be value added to them? Like you can come right out the gate and be like, I'm going to charge X, Y, Z for a video and have no followers. Like that, that's your prerogative. Um, but I always want to make sure, cause I, res- I have a lot of respect for publishers and the games yeah. that they're putting out, but also like, I really respect my own content. Like I, yeah. it is an art, like I put a lot of love into it. I put a lot of creativity in it and I never want to put out anything that is going to be less than what I consider to be perfect. So when a publisher reaches out and I give them my sell sheet and I try to understand what their game is about, I always want to make sure it's value added to them on top of value added to me. So it, it, it's just always an open conversation about mm. like what point you should monetize because I I I don't charge for a lot of videos. Like when I'm really excited about games or like my personal favorites, like that's just me talking about games I want to talk about. Wow. Uh, and yes, there is a lot of you know, paid promotional content and that's something I work out, but it's a very like case by case basis. Mm. And I also understand that there's not a ton of money in this industry. I recognize that as someone who works in an industry where there is a ton of money and I work in a very corporate environment, I do recognize that this industry is not that. Um, And I want to be here to like boost this industry and like get the word out there about board games and grow it um, and if that means, you know, later down the line, we content creators can be getting paid out the big bucks, that'd be great. But really like the focus, like what I care about is, you know, spreading, spreading the awareness of what board games are and how much it can add to your life. So I feel like the monetization question is kind of, kind of weird, but also like time is money. Like yeah. there's a lot of, like creators spend a lot of time. Like on average, a video will take me from like two to five hours, depending okay. on what the game is and sometimes even more you got a big beefy game on the table like and that's just for filming and editing that doesn't take into account playing and learning a game like there's a lot of back into that so it's. I think that's like a, a personal a personal endeavor that each person will have to assess and but I definitely think like looking at what your content can offer a publisher or offer a small designer and understanding what that value is um yeah that's I guess that's my, my I mean that's adventure. a great
0: perspective. Uh because and actually it it's cool to hear a perspective like that because I I have talked to a lot of content creators and and as a publisher like myself, right? You know, I, I deal with a lot of content creators as well. And kind of side note, like you're saying, a lot of people in the industry are one or two mm-hmm. or three person companies, right? Like these are not, I always say no one's driving Lambo's making uh right. right. So <laughs> um, you know, most people are doing it because they love it. And what I have seen kind of this trend amongst up and coming content creators, where it's like, "Okay, I've hit my five thousand ten thousand mark. Mm. Okay now, boom, here's my here's my price sheet. you know, come to Daddy kind of thing, right? Let's see what uh, what you have. and i th- I think what you're saying is is a really good perspective because, to me, it's more of an authentic approach, right? Which is mm-hmm. saying, okay, here's my brand. So, a, let's make sure that my brand even fits your brand, mm-hmm. right? Because my style, like if you're, I have a certain type of humor and so forth, and that might, like, let's let's have that conversation. It may see not if be
1: representative kind of- either yeah. of us. Like, we want to make sure, like, yeah. And and so, a big thing about my content is just because I don't like it, like I can. I've been playing games for a long time, and I feel like the past four years doing this, I played a lot of freaking games. Yeah. Like, I feel like I can recognize. When a game is good, it's just not for me. So like, I'm not going to say no, because I didn't enjoy it. That's missing out on a whole community of people that would enjoy it because that is something for them. So yeah, it is definitely like case by, by case and like understanding what the end goal of that content is going to be. So like if Amazon reaches out and they're like, hey, we got a game we're trying to promote, obviously I'm gonna send them the sell sheet, be like, this is what I charged, okay? This is what we got but all the time i think my biggest like source of content is crowdfunding like it's a it's a one person who had a dream about making a game and they want to get the word out there like i'm not going to give them that sell sheet like like i i'm going to work with them and what we can do to work with each other like how how can we both benefit out of this um That's, I I guess that that that's awesome. It's my only two cents into that.
0: No, it's, it's awesome. Where, where do you go from here? Like, what's the vision for you? Have you thought about that? Have you kind of said, okay, you know, because now you're on a trajectory, right? Where Mm -hmm. this train is now on the tracks and it's, it's, (laughs) I don't know where it's headed, but it's headed somewhere. Have you thought about where it's headed and what that plan is? I
1: have. And I just, for the most part, for the past four years, I've kind of just let this organically grow and Mm -hmm. organically find its own path. And I, I, I hope to continue doing that. I have no intention of stopping this whatsoever. um, But I definitely want to make sure that I keep my content fresh. I keep my channels fresh. I keep it fresh for me too. Like, you know, you have your personal, you have your goals at your day job where you have to, like, you have to check all the boxes to make your boss happy, show that you're developing in your job. Like I want to make sure I'm doing that in my day-to-day life too, because this is this has become a full-time thing and I don't want to become stale or stagnant or make it feel like it's a job. Um, so what it looks like exactly, I'm not sure, but definitely something to keep people entertained, definitely like just to evolve how I deliver the content to keep people excited and just, you know, keep people, keep get people in the hobby and loving the games. So that's, that's that.
0: Amazing. Well, Danielle, I just want to say uh, congrats on your success. You've obviously built a massive, massive channel. I'm a big fan myself. I love your content. It makes me laugh. There's a number of times I've laughed. I literally laughed out loud watching your content. So I just want to say, I appreciate what you've done. It's great meeting you in person at Essen. And I can't wait to see you at the next con.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: No worries. Take care. Cheers. This has been an episode of the board game binge podcast hosted by James Staley produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.